This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by Acts 29 with an invitation to their 2024 Next Conference happening April 15th through the 17th in Dallas, Texas. You don't want to miss this great lineup of speakers, including Sam Albury, Matt Chandler, Brian Loritz, John Piper, and more. The Next Conference will equip and encourage church planters and church leaders of all types for church ministry. To learn more and register for Next, visit acts29.com slash next. TGC podcast listeners will receive a special discount of $20 off registration prices by using the code TGC. Again, visit acts29.com slash next. That's acts29.com slash next. This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by LifeWay, publisher of The Sermon on the Mount Bible Study by Jen Wilkin. In this nine-session study, Wilkin invites readers to examine and learn from Jesus' longest recorded message and challenge themselves to think differently about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. With your purchase, you'll also receive access to this study's video sessions. Get your copy today at lifeway.com slash Sermon on the Mount. This episode of the Gospel Coalition podcast is sponsored by The Good Book Company, publisher of The Book Your Pastor Wishes You Would Read But Is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a book by Christopher Ashe that helps us to see that if we want a joy-filled church, we need to have a cared-for pastor. More information at thegoodbook.com. This is the Gospel Coalition podcast, where we seek to renew the contemporary church in the ancient gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Colin Hansen. Today's podcast is a discussion with Don Carson and Michael Kruger on persistent myths about the New Testament. When it, when it comes to misconceptions about the New Testament, these are many, and people have all kinds of ideas in their head about what the New Testament is like and where it came from, and all kinds of misconceptions are out there. Uh, one I'll just mention uh, to begin with is one we hear a lot, particularly in recent years with the writings of, of Barterman and others, which is this idea that the New Testament has been radically changed in its text over a number of years. People think that scribes have altered it so significantly that it's been corrupted and can't be recovered, and really we're at a loss to know what the New Testament authors really wrote. And this is this has confused a lot of people. Uh, that argument not only is popular in, in critical circles, it's also popular in the Muslim world, this idea that the New Testament can't be relied upon in terms of its transmission. Uh, there's all kinds of responses to that. I'll just, I'll just mention one, and that is um, we have manuscripts that date back very early in the history of the church, um, all the way back to the second century. Um, in other words, we can get very close to the time period when the original manuscripts were written. We wish we had something from the first century. We wish we had the autographs, but we have manuscripts so close, there's just not enough time there to expect wholesale massive changes in the text. So even just the dating of our manuscripts gives us a good start in terms of textual reliability. And it's worth adding to that, I think, that if you do comparisons with other ancient documents, Caesar's Gallic Wars, for example, written within a century, more or less, of when the New Testament documents were written, um, we have precisely three manuscripts that have come down from the Middle Ages of the, for the Gallic Wars, as, a, as uh, contrasted with about 5,000 manuscripts of whole or part of the Greek New Testament and about 8,000 uh, manuscripts of, of early translations. The, the evidence is simply overwhelming and uh, stunningly early uh, to write things off uh, so freely. It's more imagination than fact. Yeah, and I would add to that too that uh, people have made comments that Christian scribes were not competent and they were 
often unable to be reliable in their transmission efforts. And some of you even argued that Christian scribes were illiterate and couldn't read. Those are just, those are overstated arguments. Actually, when we look into the early centuries, we see a very robust textual culture in the early Christian movement. We have good reasons to think the scribes were competent and capable. Um, we can look at the handwriting of the manuscripts and see that they really did know their task and knew what they were doing. So when you consider what Don mentioned with the number of manuscripts and the date and sort of the scribal infrastructure of early Christianity, we really can't trust uh, that we have the text that was originally written. Another myth that has become popular is that um, originally there were a lot more Gospels. Uh, Gospel of Judas, uh, Gospel of Peter, and uh, a number of other documents. Uh, and unfortunately, the Orthodox, being nasty types, gradually squished down any competition. And what we're left with are the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are found within um, the canonical New Testament. Um, to, to arrive at that sort of conclusion, you have to demonstrate, number one, that those alternative Gospels are uh, early and that the canonical Gospels are relatively late. Um, this is a fairly new, in terms of the history of the church, a fairly new error that argues that originally there were many, many, many interpretations and they squished down in about the fourth century to, to one group that came to be called the Orthodox group. The, the, the actual evidence we have runs exactly in the opposite direction. There is an initial confessionalism with some diversity of emphases that by the second century is already being challenged with a proto-Gnostic movement and so on. The, 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 the traditional dating for the Testament of, of uh, of uh, Judas, for example, is pretty pretty late. The Gospel of Thomas is uh, second century, mid-second century at the earliest, as far as I can see. Um, uh, there's a, a lovely little book by uh, Chuck Smith, Charles Hill, rather, Chuck Hill, Charles E. Hill, called Who Wrote the Gospels? that is pretty accessible and works through the evidence in, in, in a powerful way. I think there's one other element to it that has to be remembered. When we speak of the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, we're using gospel as if it's a literary genre. And so uh, there's this gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of John. But in the first century, nobody used it that way. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and, and so it was understood to be one gospel. And that common gospel has certain shared elements, Jesus' origins, his public ministry, and ultimately his death and resurrection and so on, according to the various witnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Whereas if you look at something like um, the Gospel of Thomas, so-called, from the second century, it's not a gospel in that sense at all. It's, it's a, a collection of about 114 statements with two or three little historical snippets, uh, no focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's not gospel in any first century sense at all. It's a collection of Jesus sayings, collected by we, know, we do not know whom, uh, approximately in the middle of the second century. So when you look at usage of what gospel means and how they're put together, the, the early dating of the gospels and so on, uh, I, I think the evidence is overwhelming that, that the canonical gospels really did come first. And instead of thinking of a great diversity, which is to be praised simply because of the diversity itself, according to modern diktats, um, and then it, it, it squeezed down into a, an enforced orthodoxy. It's just exactly the opposite, and that needs to be recovered. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add one other final thought on that, and that is uh, people often make it sound like apocryphal gospels were as popular or even more popular than the canonical ones in the early church. And you get this impression that 
kind of no one knew what to read, and everybody's reading all kinds of stuff, and uh, everybody had their own Gospels, and Gospel of Thomas was as popular as the Gospel of John and things like this. But we have a little ways to tell how popular books were. Uh, one of the ways we can tell is the remnants of manuscripts they left behind, and the canonical Gospels have so many more from those early centuries than all the apocryphal ones that we have. And another way we know is from the frequency of citations. Uh, the patristic sources, uh, yeah, they occasionally reference an apocryphal gospel, but the overwhelming weight of patristic citations is all in the favor of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so taking all those things together, we can really be confident that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are really the best gospels in our New Testament. You've been listening to the Gospel Coalition podcast. For more gospel-centered resources, visit thegospelcoalition.org. Support for this podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn more and join us at tgc.org slash donate.